Well, welcome back uh, to Burning with Alan on Chet Sapphire. It's so great to have uh, you guys back listening to me, guys and girls, you know the way it goes. Um, but as I promised on my last chat, if we can go that far back, is that I did promise that we were going to have a guest speaker on our show um, this week. And I'm so, so, so happy to announce that um, Dominic Rollinson is going to be joining us today. And uh, Dominic is, not only is he a complete expert on all birds, um, here and, and also around the world, and but especially in the SA, he's also the co-author of one of our best-selling Sassel birds of Southern Africa. So I'm really chuffed. You know, I, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I kept talking about you've got to have a certain guide, you've got to have this and that, and, and Sassel's was um, actually one of them. And he is... Uh, one of the co-authors of that, and um, and also at the same time, he's uh, one of the senior bird guides at web uh, and the website um, at um, birding eco tours. So it's going to be very very good to have him online, and I think he's online at the moment. So I'm just going to see a, a Dom. Yes, I'm here. Oh, there's. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's so great to to listen to your voice. You know, I've actually. Uh, spoken about you a lot and, and it's great and not only have you all these things in the background but the one good thing you do have about you is you actually a good friend of my son <laughs> yes, yes uh, Sean yeah we've uh, yeah, we've uh, done a few birding birding trips together and he he crashed on our couch here for a month or so oh uh, yeah. that's normal yeah. though. <laughs> so how's, how's, how's the weather down in Cape Town that's where you are at the moment aren't you yeah, I'm based down in, in Cape Town, and um, yeah, we had a beautiful weekend, and nice blue skies with no wind, but today it's, it's uh, a bit cloudy and gloomy, but um, that's how it goes, I guess. Not a good so day for birding, eh? <laughs> uh, no, but um, you know, I mean, if the wind picked up a bit, it would be probably a yeah, decent day to, to go do a bit of sea birding. Oh. Kind of a coast, and uh, a bit of scope up. Well, that is definitely one of the, you know, that's one of the main reasons I've actually asked you to come and have a chat to us is because, you know, um, I'm very low in my knowledge on, on, on seabirds specifically. So it's going to be great to, to hear a few of your tips and, 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 and you know, a bit of your knowledge uh, on this. But sure. I have to say that um, on our side, we've had so much wind, um, um, so, okay. much, so much wind. So it's been very yeah. difficult, you know, birding is not easy, eh? Yeah, I mean that's often, you know, when you when you find it's too windy to go building in your forest or, you know, in your garden, that's when you should go to the coast and go set up a scope, and uh, it's the windy conditions which which gets the seabirds moving, um, and that's when you're more likely to bump into something rare, um, so you, so you shouldn't see the wind as hampering your birding, and it's just uh, it's telling you to go to the coast and look for something rare. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, having a scope as a telescope is, is quite important if you are going to do any like land-based uh, sea watching. Well, I, I know yeah. I know you've been involved in seabirding a long time. I mean, uh, weren't you originally from Zululand? Yeah, so I'm from. Uh, I grew up in Epangeni, so on the north coast of Zululand, uh, having moved down here down to Cape Town in 2012 uh, mm. to start a, a PhD on seabirds. Yeah, right. um, yeah, so definitely, definitely hail from KZN. Um, but 
but yeah, uh, the Cape has been home for the last eight or nine years. Oh, that's fantastic, man. <laughs> no, no, it's great. I, I mean, especially around that Cape Peninsula, you must be able to see a massive amount of species of, of, of seabirds. Yeah, so there's a few spots at which we, we go to fairly regularly. Um, I mean, Cape Point is probably the classic spot to go for like land-based sea washing. So now this is, instead of going out on a boat, we'd, we'd sit um, and, you know, find a shelter spot from the wind and go sort of our telescopes and, and see what flies past. And, um, yeah, so Cape Point, but it's, you know, it's a good hour's drive from Cape Town. Um, but uh, you know, really nice in the early morning. You get all the birds after, after the strong winds have been out at sea. You get a lot of birds, seabirds coming into shelter in Table Bay. Mm. And if you get there first thing in the morning to Cape Point, you can get all these birds streaming past the point, wow. leaving the bay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can see you know, hundreds of, of birds, into the thousands of birds in the morning. You, know, you get Cory shearwaters shooting past and sooty shearwaters in their droves. And wow. Watching petrels and, you know, up to three species of albatross generally. Um, yeah, and that's all from, all from land. And, yeah, so it's... It's a lot of fun, actually. You actually mentioned a, um, a telescope now. You know, in one of my podcasts earlier, I was talking about binoculars and, you know, the type of things that you can have uh, to yeah. help you. And, and the one thing which I would also like to actually get one of these days is what what do you think is a really good, you know, not too expensive, but, you know, because looking at the average bird here, um, telescope yeah. that, that one can get to look at these seabirds? So it's, it's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> I mean, it's based entirely on your budget. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the top Swarovskis and, and Kawas go, I mean, you can pay 50,000 Rand for those, mm. um, which you can, is a lot of money. Um, but, you know, those are the top scopes. But, I mean, if you've got, I don't know, five, ten thousand 10,000 Rand, uh, you can pick up a decent scope with a generally like a 20 to 60 times zoom. Okay. Um, you know, I generally keep mine on, on a 20 zoom. Um, you know, you can zoom in further, but if you zoom in more, your your image becomes a bit uh, grainy. Um, so that's really when the, the top optics uh, come to their own. Um, yeah, but, you know, yeah. If you've got five or 10,000 Rand, I think you'll be able to pick <laughs> up a, a pretty decent scope. Um, I mean, even cheaper, but obviously just the less money you pay, um, you know, yeah, you're not going to get as good a product. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think like the same goes with binoculars also. Correct. I mean, you can pick up binoculars for a thousand rand, but they're generally not going to last very long. And in a few years' time, I found that they they fall apart. So it's often worth just investing you know, 5,000 rand or whatever it might be for a pair of binoculars, although it is quite an investment, I, I do understand. Mm. Um, Niona, thanks very much, man. Um, one of the questions I'd like to ask you, because I'd like to move on to the, you know, the seabirding side of things, because, um, you know, everyone on the coast around, okay, came, you know, we are talking about anywhere in the world, but specifically yeah. in, 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 in South Africa, per region, what, what areas do you think um, is sort of good places for you, for, for someone like me or you know, just a general birder to go and do some spotting of seabirds. Yeah. So, yeah, so we were talking about land-based sea watching earlier, um, which is fun, which is great. Um, but you really, if you want to start seeing these seabirds up, up close and personal, 
you, you need to head out on a, on a boat and, and head out to sea. Um, and these are called pelagic trips. So the word pelagic refers to the, the upper surface of the um, of the ocean and the um, the animals and the birds which which associate with, with that upper uh, upper zone of, of the ocean. Uh, so you know pelagic birds. We're talking about the the seabirds, the albatrosses, the petrels, shearwaters. Um, and so the pelagic trips generally. So traditionally, the the top pelagic uh, sites of South Africa has been Cape Town. Um, so we head about normally about 20, 30 miles off Cape Point. So we leave from Simonstown or from Hart Bay, and then we basically head out. And um, what we what we're doing down in the Cape is we're looking for um, fishing vessels. So mostly trawlers and, and a few longliners, because uh, it's very productive waters off the Cape. So we have a lot of um, a lot of fishing going off there, commercial fishing. And behind these uh, trawlers, particularly, uh, you get thousands of seabirds which congregate, uh, waiting for them to lift their nets when a lot of fish fall out and they can grab an easy meal. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, so that's, I'd say, probably the premier, mm. um, you know, pelagic uh, site of South Africa. Um, and you get, you know, you can go out and get. 12 species, 15 species of, of tube pelagics. So the tube noses, so your albatrosses, your petrels and shearwaters and your storm petrels. Um, but then recent, in recent years, Durban has actually been great. Um, so you don't quite get the numbers of Durban. So you're not going to go out and see, you know, thousands of albatrosses. But generally what you do see off there, although in quite low numbers, is quite special. Mm -hmm. um, so and they have, they have a different makeup, a different assemblage of, of species off the east coast. They get slightly warmer species, often coming down from the Mozambique Channel. Um, so like they they, they get lot, quite good numbers of uh, great winged petrels and oh, fish for the shearwaters. Talk yeah, about that, yeah. You, you sent me that photo of the, <laughs> yes, of the great yes, thank you. Washed up on on, on the beach. Um, so they're not as easy down here in off the Cape. Um, those species, especially a fish for the shearwater. And another bird they've been picking up quite recently is Barrow's petrel. Oh. Um, so that's a bird which breeds on Reunion Island in wow. the uh, Ocean. And it has only, I think, made its way onto our list officially about 20 years ago, 15 years mm. ago. And since then, they've been doing these Durban pelagics and they're picking them up, you know, up to 20 birds in a day. But it's only yeah. October, November. They've got a very uh, small window when they visit our waters. Um, so again, it's just these sort of much lower numbers but um what you see out there is, is normally quite special with urban what, what, so, um, sorry yeah. what, why why do you think that is that they've suddenly coming down this way um i don't think so we're talking about the barrows petrol yes i don't think anything would have changed rather than just redoing more pelagic trips um or durban okay. um, and and we found out that october november seems to be their window when they visit our waters. And so now I think over that period, um, people are doing, you know, four, five, six every you know, every weekend for those two months, doing trips out to sea, um, specifically to look for these birds. And also um, they've been doing a lot of chumming off, uh, off, yes. off dirt and on these pelagics. So that's when you take out a, a frozen uh, ball of sardines and anchovies and, and fish oil, which um, smells horrible, but to birds, it's, it smells amazing. And you chuck that out, and you just basically sit and watch this floating um, um, mass of, of, um, 
of fish and oil, and it brings in the birds from all around. So they have these amazing, um, most of, most um, seabirds or a lot of seabirds are, are basically scavengers. So they, they have amazing smell, just like our well, vultures in South America, which rely on, on smell. And they, they can smell uh, teams like from, from kilometers or you know, from kilometers away, they can smell that you know there's a squid here on the surface, a dead squid, a rotting squid, or dead fish, and they come in and and target those um, yeah, that's that carrion essentially. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic, man. Now, I I know that you you work actually for is it eco birding uh, tours, correct? Yeah, so it's birding so, eco tours. So, uh, do you guys primarily just work from Cape Town, or do you have? Um, areas, you know, I'm sure that a lot of the listeners want to know, is it only in Cape Town that you, 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 you're working from, or can we have a trip from Durban or other, other areas? Yeah, so we, um, I mean, we do trips all over the world. Uh, so we've got offices in South Africa and the UK and the US and also in Peru. Um, so yeah, we, we literally do trips just about everywhere. Um, I mostly, um, or specialize on, on African tours. And like, I know we do a lot of Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe tours, um, and then further up into you know East Africa to Ethiopia, and and then we also do just like uh, short uh, day trips, just around you know if you've got a few days or, or a day in the Cape, and you like to target a few of the um, the Cape endemics, rock jumpers and victorins warbler, and that sort of thing. We we also do those those day tours. Okay. So, uh, Literally, just about everywhere. <laughs> no, <laughs> so it's obviously quite a big, um, big company. It must be a lot of you guys, uh, guys that actually yeah. work for me in South Africa. Yeah, there's. Um, I mean, there's what I think eight of us full time now. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, we were sort of looking to grow, and then COVID hit us, which has <laughs> obviously uh, been a very tough year being a, a travel company. Yeah. And, yeah, but uh, yeah, we we've gone through it, and uh, things are looking up again for next year. We're getting bookings, and and yeah, and like we also do pleasure trips off um, off Cape Town. Yes, that's um, what I was going to ask yeah, you. So, yeah, so if, if anyone's looking to do do a trip, uh, just have a look at our website, readingtours uh, dot com. Uh, yeah, so just about anywhere really. <laughs> just mention that website again. Uh, so it's uh, www.readingtours.com. Oh, great, man, because I'm kind yep. of keen myself. But uh, um, okay. these um, trips you only do from Cape Town, eh? Uh, the these pelagic, yes. We're only doing from Cape Town. Um, and uh, we've been sort of tinkering with the idea of doing longer pelagic trips off Mozambique. Okay. Uh, you know, finding boats and going out for three or four days. And, yeah, that'll be quite interesting, you know. Hopefully, getting into things like frigate birds, and tropic birds, mm. and these and all these sort of outlandish petrels out there. Yes. So yeah, we're still playing with that idea, but it's but just to be a bit more difficult to set up. So for mm. now, just, just I can imagine. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. know the, um, the last time we had a little chat, you were talking about these um, the the bird life essays flock to Marion Island. Yeah. Uh, that trip is that still going to take place, or you know what does this actually entail? Yeah, so it was meant to take place in now in or in January 2021, um, but because of COVID, it's, it's been, as far as I understand, it's January 2022 now, um, and that's a six 
six or seven days. Oh. I can't quite remember. Um, and basically, I think we leave from Durban and we head down to Marion Islands. So wow. uh, Prince Edward Islands, it's, it's the two two islands, Marion and Prince Edward, which yeah. are South African-owned islands. Wow. And uh, overseas territories, I guess you could call it. And um, you get a you get a few endemic or close to endemic uh, breeding birds down there. Um, and also, so that's where when I talk about all these birds, which we see off of Cape Town, you know, yes. off our waters here, yeah. a lot of these birds come up from these subantarctic islands, such mm. as islands, and they come up to our waters, especially in winter, to escape the cold subantarctic winters. They move north into our waters. And that's when we see a lot of these birds. But um, I mean, I think it's close to fully booked. I'm sure there still are spots for these flocks to Marion trips. But I think it's going to be an incredible trip. Um, and it's, I think, as far as I remember, fairly reasonably priced for what you're getting. Yes. Um, and you have a chance to visit one of these subantarctic um, islands where you get thousands of seabirds breeding. I mean, it's without saying you know, an arm and a leg, it's, it's basically a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, and we're, we're not going to get onto the island. You know, putting 2,000 birders onto the island yeah. is not logistically possible. Yeah. Uh, but we will be birding. I'm not quite sure how close we're going to get to the actual island, but we're going to be seeing things like uh, the albatrosses, wow. albatross, and uh, we'll get lots of wandering albatrosses. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Which are just amazing to watch. You know, uh, wings. Oh, I've never seen one. And yeah, uh, oh yeah. man, you're talking me into this. You know that my son's yeah. coming across. He's asking me what type of gift he's going to give me for Christmas, and this sounds <laughs> right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, Sean you're listening to drum. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I need. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm one of. Them. The guards, there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of guards um, on the trip. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We did a trip, uh, another flock at sea. It was in, when was it, April, about three or four years ago. Yeah. 2017. And basically it was flocked to nowhere. So we left from Cape Town and we went out to sea looking for patches of cold water, which are generally quite nutrient-rich, and that's, that's where you find the seabirds. And uh, yeah, it was an amazing trip. The first morning we had white-headed uh, petrels and Whoa. a lightning called albatrosses and sooty albatrosses, grey petrels, which Whoa. are all extremely rare Southern African birds. So yeah. I think just about everybody on board got a new Southern African bird. And yeah, uh, it was an amazing trip. You got the life I want. <laughs> 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 and you're working that life too. Eh? These are just small highlights here and there. Small highlights. <laughs> Oh my yeah. goodness! Well, that's the big like, yeah, hard yeah, yeah. I know. I know through your history. I, I I read about your and Sean spoke about your your early life when you were doing your PhD, um, where you <laughs> yeah. went to all the different was it um, Antarctica and a couple of the sub uh, Antarctic islands or something. Yeah, so I did a few of the trips uh, on the SA Gunners, which is our, our research vessel. And, and we did trips down to yeah, down to Antarctica and yeah. down to America and those areas. But we were hard at work all day, Alan. We no, I can imagine. No, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a, you know I do feel jealous from time to time. But um, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad you're happy, Dom, <laughs> doing what yeah. you need to do. <laughs> yeah, um, it's been good fun. I, I know. Um, 
I know that one of your um, biggest passions um, is seabird conservation, uh, which yeah. is in threat, you know, on sea and on land. And um, yeah. is there something that you can actually share with um, the listeners now about? Yeah. So, yeah, very briefly, I did my so did my PhD on on the seabird bycatch from the tuna longlines. Yeah. So basically, off the Cape, I guess you could um, you could say we've got two main fisheries: the the trawlers and the um, longlines. Mm. So the trawlers. They, they they carry those or drag those huge nets behind them, and they're mostly going for the um, you know hake and um, anchovy and that sort of thing. The much uh, species which occur much lower down, you know, hundreds of meters down, uh, and that's when they're catching these species. And then uh, for the more pelagic species found higher, such as your tuners or mostly tuners and your swordfish, and um, there's long lining, and long lining is just that it's, it's a True. really long line. Yeah. they drag by the vessel. Oh. Well, they don't drag it, but they yeah. throw it, let it go, and then there's fish. And up to, so I was doing my research mostly on the, <coughs> excuse me, the Asian vessels. Mm. And they were doing, what, uh, up to 120 kilometers a day of line. Whoa. So with a, with a hook, hook and bait every 50 meters. Oh, my goodness. And so, yeah, I was sitting around you know, 3,000 a day and going for tuna, uh, mostly. Yeah. And uh, during the setting process, when they're actually throwing out the baited hook, that's when a lot of the albatrosses and petrels are killed mm. on the uh, on the long line. So they basically they swallow the, the hook mm. or the bait from the hook uh, and then get hooked and then eventually end up drowning. And yeah. um, and I mean it's less of a problem now because we've um, I guess we understand it a bit better now. But uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it was killing large numbers of seabirds and yeah. um, and and really putting seabirds at risk. And um, and then, sort of, when you couple that with the the threat that seabirds face on um, on land, so recently they—I'm I'm not sure if you've seen any of these videos—but there's um, these videos of of mice attacking chicks mm. on um, on Marion Island and Gough Island. Yes. And literally, chicks are basically you know defensive. They don't know what's going on, and they literally just get they get sculped um, and and severely weakened and end up dying normally. Uh, so there's sort of two main threats you could uh, group uh, as threats to as to the seabirds, um, mm. and uh, so as I say, so my research was looking at um, the threats they face from long lines. So and we did a lot of work on weighting, line weighting. So if you yeah. add more weight to the line, you sink the lines quicker, and there's less of a window for these birds to, to scavenge for predators. Mm. And so we did a lot of work on, on yeah, that, and, yeah. and had had a lot of success, and we. Um, actually, based on our recommendations, they added line weighting to uh, to the entire South Korean fleet wow. at one point. Um, Good work, so that was probably the biggest outcome, I guess, of, of my research. Hmm. And then um, there's these uh, big campaigns at the moment to, to try get try get rid of the um, the mice from these southern Arctic islands. So um, you can have a look at micefreemarion.com. Yeah. And there's a big project to try to fundraise money to to drop these baits. Um, basically, they use helicopters to drop baits all around the island, um, and it's, it's a fairly decent sized island, so you can imagine yes. the cost associated with it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's going to be happening soon on Goth, on the Goth Island, oh. and try to eradicate the mice. Um, 
Yeah, so and it, it, they have, especially the especially on some of the islands around New Zealand, they've actually completely cleared the island now of mice and rats. Wow. And um, same with South Georgia, which is a huge island, South Georgia. Yeah. Um, and if they can do South Georgia, um, I guess the, the the way they did South Georgia is that it's all it's glaciated, so you can essentially um, think of each little uh, patch in between the glaciers um, as an island of its own. And that's how they targeted South Georgia with it with being such a huge island. Um, but yeah, the, 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 there is good news oh, <laughs> man. coming out. You're doing it fin- can be done. fantastic um, work here, man. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so, oh, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I've had nothing to do with any of the, um, the mouth eradication stuff. Um, but yeah, some, you know, some of my colleagues uh, mm. back at mm. the Fitzpatrick Institute at UCT, yeah. they've been working on it too, and, um, and bird life. So um, yes. yeah, it's very exciting and hopefully um, you know these islands especially Sayafkan and Island Marion and Prince Edward can be done soon oh fantastic Marion. man well, yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I just want to swing it around a bit if you don't mind yeah um, I don't want to keep you away from your work too long because you've got a lot of work to do by the <laughs> sounds of it <laughs> but um, how did you get involved with um, Cecil and, and, and this uh, becoming a co-author of this new book this is a fantastic uh, bird uh, guidebook, I must just say. Okay, yeah, thanks, Alan. So, so Peter Ryan was actually my, who's one of the, he's been, he joined for the fourth edition. So we're on the fifth edition now. Um, and Peter joined Cecil for the fourth edition. And he was my supervisor okay. uh, for my PhD. And uh, so I guess just working with Peter for whatever four or five years it took me to, complete my PhD. Um, so I sort of made that contact and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it was sort of just by chance that um, he asked me quite late into the project. Um, they were sort of battling to meet a few deadlines. Um, did I want to get, get involved? Um, and I mean, from the, at that point, I was just going to do help with the map. <laughs> they were battling with the map. And then Sean told me about that. <laughs> Snowboard, and I guess I um, yeah, got involved as a, as a co-author eventually. Oh, and um, but yeah, it, it was a, it's been it's been great. Um, yeah, to see just how, how you know the workings um, of, of a book of this magnitude, uh, you know how it all goes about. Mm. And, and yeah, I mean like getting involved in all the um, like the artwork, especially it was, was uh. quite fun. So we we did a lot of. Um, Photoshop work on some of the older artwork. Yes. And um, just little things like we, we thought the lead color wasn't quite right on this bird, so we, we photoshopped that and changed that a little bit. So we yeah, yeah. that tail from the tail. Yeah. Um, so I was quite involved with that, working with the designer on this book, um, and, and and really enjoyed that component of it. Oh, fantastic, um, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess the whole book, or well, the book as a whole. No, um, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I, I, I've, I love Cecil. I really got... A copy. In fact, I think I've got a copy of every one of their books from the time that they brought it out. You know that, and yeah. a few others. And I think um, you know, always look at the artwork because you know that's the thing that first strikes you. But um, yeah. you know, one of these days I might steal you. <laughs> come all the way to Natal. Come all the way to Free State. We're having that um, in. Um, I've mentioned in, in a few of my podcasts that that uh, Golden Gate Birding Adventures coming up on the fifth to the eighth. And um, okay. We normally do very well, you know, um, uh, yeah. me and my team, we work hard, as you know, you said earlier, there's a lot of hard work, 
Um, yeah. But it's uh, one of these days you must come and join us and maybe we'll go over that 120 mark. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Um, did you do the big birding day? Yes, yeah, no, we did. Um, unfortunately, um, we were interrupted a lot. And as I said in the morning, it was about 40 to 50 kilometer winds. Eh? It was no, really, no. really difficult to, to find birds in the morning. And later no, no. on, after the fish bra, we kind of like went out again until late in the evening and it was fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, those are always good fun. Um, yeah, it's certainly one of the highlights of the year for me. Yes. Big birding day. Um, yeah. And the Global Birding Day. That was pretty cool too. Yes, yeah, we were on the same team there. Um, <laughs> but yeah. also windy for yeah. us on that day. Yeah, we actually had a quite a nice day down here in the Cape. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems to be blowing down here or up your side. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I have to say that it's, you know, I've really, really enjoyed chatting to you and I'm, I'm really looking forward to meet you one of these days and hopefully be on, on one of these trips that you, <laughs> from Marion Island or, or somewhere around there. Yeah. Just have Sean is listening. Yeah, we'll see you on the boat in, uh, in January then, once you're done, Barzi. Yeah, no, but uh, I'm sure you're going to hear from me and I hope you don't mind me phoning from time to time when I do get stuck sure. on a certain bird. There was one thing I was going to ask you, and I don't want to put you, uh, um, you know, the um, uh, Sean mentioned, you know, the uh, the one sunbird that I have got, and I had a little argument with someone the other day, and I and I didn't know if I came out right or wrong, you know, the olive sunbird. I know it's got a few calls, you know, the one being that, <laughs> you know, that duck sort of up and downish yep. of the call, but then there's another one that the guys were saying to me it was a frog, a tree frog, it almost goes like. <laughs> Yeah. Continually. That would be the tree frog, or do you think it is the other call? No, it sounds like uh, you're talking about olive sunbird, right? Yes. Yes. Um, no, it, it, I, think, I think you're right. If you're saying it, it was the sunbird. Um, yeah, they, they often do that. So they have their... a very good whistle, by the way. There. Um, <laughs> but but that, that first sort of... Uh, that fluty call, I think, is more their, um, yes. their song. So yes. they don't do that. The males would sing that to defend territories, yes. but then they also have that that tree frog like call or insect like call. I, I find yes. it more of it like a like call. And it goes and for it, quite some time, eh? Sorry. And it goes for for quite some time. Yes, they do. They just go on and on, like doing the same the same. Uh, I don't know if it's single notes or two different notes that they do. It might just be the one note. They do it over and over and over. Yes. Again. I, I think you won that. That's, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. I hope everyone <laughs> listens to this podcast next week <laughs> when it comes out. No, but I'll tell yeah. you, it's been fantastic um, um, uh, talking to you, really, and I, I'm I'm keen to sort of talk to you a lot more in the future. And, sure, uh, yeah. yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Alan. And thanks very much for joining us here on Chat Sapphire. And you never okay. know, I might call you back again one of these days um, huh? to to have another chat with us. Yeah, it sounds good. Anytime. Right, great. Tom, thanks very okay. much on, on, on behalf of all of us for spending a bit of time with us. Sure. No problem, man. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Much appreciated. Cheers, Cheers okay, nice Well, guys and gals out there listening to this podcast, that was brilliant. That was a nice chat, a very nice chat with uh, Dominic Rollinson. And um, don't forget to look on our website and social media for all the different links and, of course, the different trips and things that Dominic was actually talking about 
we'll put it more and then so you can actually see exactly uh, where you can contact these things until we uh, have another chat next time uh, this is big L. cheers <laughs>